Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Greer Garson, Walter Pidgeon, and Susan Peters in Mrs. Miniver with Ensign Henry Wilcoxon. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. When everyone in Hollywood agrees on anything, that's news. And you can't get an argument out of anyone in our town when you say that Mrs. Miniver was one of the great pictures of film history. Like a beacon in the night, it brought guidance and inspiration when we needed it most. And Hollywood recognizes that service by making Mrs. Miniver the overwhelming choice for the last Academy Award. Tonight we present it with the same two stars who gave such magnificent performances in the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer picture, Greer Garson and Walter Pigeon. And with them we have Susan Peters and from the United States Coast Guard, Ensign Henry Wilcoxon. We all know that Greer Garson won the Academy Award for her performance as Mrs. Miniver, but that performance and all the others never seemed like acting to me. Only fine artists can lift a drama to so high a plane. And very soon we'll have a chance to see Greer Garson and Walter Pigeon together again in Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's new entry for the Academy Award, Madame Curie. We borrowed Susan Peters from the same studio where she just finished Song of Russia. For nine years now, stars like these have helped to make the Lux Radio Theater a national theater. And Lux Flakes has made it possible for us to present them in the big dramatic hits of Broadway and Hollywood. You don't have to buy anything to get a seat in this theater because there's no one collecting tickets in your living room. But the chances are you'd buy our product anyway once you've tried it. And that's all we ask. Lux Flakes doesn't need a salesman. It just needs a few minutes to show what it can do. So right now, we can raise the curtain on the first act of Mrs. Miniver, starring Greer Garson in the title role, Walter Pigeon as Clem, and Susan Peters as Carol with Ensign Henry Wilcoxon as the vicar. In the summer of 1939, the war stood trembling on the threshold of another war. Guns bristled on the borders between nations. And in the capitals of the continent... The mighty armor of conflict paraded in a rumbling show of power. From Berlin, the hysterical screams of a mad fanatic set the tone and tempo of the times. In that summer of 1939, England listened to the distant thunder, nodded thoughtfully, and went about the simple business of living. We all knew there was going to be a war, of course. A dozen times a day we'd tell each other so. Oh, yes, no doubt of it at all. Feeling a bit pleased with ourselves that we could face it so calmly. And yet underneath, there was just as strong a conviction, half hope and half fear, that it could never happen. And so we went our careless way, bringing up our children, tending our gardens, making shopping trips to the city to buy hats that were much too expensive. <laughs> I never should have bought that hat. I knew it on a train going back to Bellum. Of course, it was too late then. I had it with me in a little box. A ridiculously little box. Bellum, sir? Yes, sir. This is for Bellum. Good evening, Mrs. Miniver. Why, Victor, how nice. For me, it is. May I sit here, Mrs. Miniver? Of course. Shopping? Here, let me put those packages on the rack for you. Oh, thank you, Victor. Oh, no, no. Not that little one, please. I might leave it behind, and it's rather precious. <laughs> yes, I know the feeling. Do you? See this package of mine? Guess what it is? A port? Oh, worse than that. Cigars. 
Well, why not? My husband does. Yes, but he can afford it. Oh, dear, I'm not so sure, Baker. He has a very extravagant wife. <laughs> Nonsense. No, it's quite true. I can't help it. I'm afraid I do like nice things. Things far beyond my means sometimes. Oh, uh, pretty clothes and good schools for children. And a car and a garden, you know. Yes, I know. Does it give you a lovely, guilty feeling? Lovely. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sinners, Mrs. Miniver. What will the village say? Oh, I think the village knows you're a very understanding person. That's why you do so much good. Well, I hope I do. I hope I can when they need me. You mean you think there's trouble coming? I think... I think it's here. Uh, good evening, Lady Belden. Good evening, Vicar. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, shopping's absolutely impossible nowadays. I spent the whole afternoon being pushed around by middle-class females, buying things they can't possibly afford. Oh, dear, that means me. No, no, much worse. Uh, you're Mrs. Mannering, aren't you? Minifer. Oh, yes, yes, of course, the lawyer's wife. No, my husband's an architect. Well, I knew he was something of that sort. I don't know what the country's coming to. Everyone trying to be better than their betters. Mink coats and no manners. No wonder Germany's arming. Lady Belden talked all the way from London to Bellum Station. Bellum. It always gave me a little thrill of happiness to come home to Bellum. There's no different from a hundred other English villages. But to me... The air was cleaner, and the flowers brighter in Bellum than anywhere on earth. The flower beds around the little station were the personal pride of the station master, Mr. Ballard. Did it please? Oh, good, good evening, Mrs. Miniver. Oh, good evening, Mr. Ballard. Here's my ticket. Thank you. I was looking for you on the five o'clock. Are you too late, ma'am, to spare me a moment? I've got something to show you. Well, I am. It's father. something very special. Why, of course, Mr. Ballard, do show me. It's in my office. Go right in, Mrs. Miniver. Thank you. Well, ma'am, there it is. What? I'm afraid the, the rose, ma'am. The rose in the vase there. Oh. Oh, Mr. Ballard. You like it, ma'am? I think it's... I think it's the most beautiful rose I've ever seen. I adore red roses. To said as Cupid danced among the gods... He down the nectar flung, which on the white rose being shed, made it forever after bed. Oh, wherever did you find that? <laughs> At a seed catalogue, ma'am. <laughs> it's pretty, but it ain't true. What goes to make a rose, ma'am, is breeding and budding and fertilizer. And that's where you come in, ma'am. I? Oh, I've got to have a name for it. With your permission, ma'am, I'd like to call it the Mrs. Miniver. Oh. Oh, if you'll pardon me, ma'am. I've watched you go in and out of town for years now, and you've always had time to stop and have a word with me, and I've always waited for you to come home. But you remind me of the flower. Oh, it's a lovely compliment, Mr. Ballard. I'd be very happy indeed to have you name your rose after me. It was the usual before dinner time at home. Judy in the study, practicing her scales. Toby upstairs in the nursery, giving Napoleon his milk. Napoleon was his kitten. When I heard Clem's car drive up, I was in my room, trying on the new hat. But I decided not to tell him yet. I'd wait until after dinner. Clem was always more docile after he'd had his Matter? Are you looking at me? Well, anything wrong with that? Uh, no. 
Did you have a nice time in town today? Oh, wonderful. I shops and shops. Uh-huh. It's just little things, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, I, uh, uh, I had a puncture in the car today. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, tires are getting pretty worn in that old bus. Ken, do you know what I think? What? I think you ought to buy yourself a new tire one of these days. A new tire? Yes, sir, it, it might not be a bad idea at that. Uh, darling, uh... You stay there, Napoleon. Come along, Toby. It's almost dinner time. Everything all right there, Toby? It's all right now. But he had to. Did you hear my piece, Daddy? Yes, Judy, and it was lovely. Mother, is Brother Jim coming home tomorrow? Yes, he is, Judy. Well, may I go to the station to meet him? Well, of course, darling, if you're good. Now, Cook has your dinner Mother, ready, so... Mother, he seems to be a vegetarian. I doubt it, darling. He'll have some new idea. Oh, that was just the phase he was going through. What's your phase? Well, it's just the thing people go through. Do I go through it, Mother? Oh, yes. You're going through one right now. Am I? Mm-hmm. I'm going through a phase. I'm going through a phase. Toby, stop jumping about going to your dinner. What phase will Ben be going through this time, Mother? Well, I'm not sure, dear. But boys at Oxford go through any number of them. We'll just have to wait and see. Coffee, Ken? Uh, just another drop. Thank you, dear. Uh, Come in. I do not to get... Oh, oh I'm Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, dear. No, no. wasn't anything. What were you going to say, dear? Oh, uh, nothing important. I just, uh, 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 about that new tire. Oh, well, they, uh, they aren't so frightfully expensive, are they? No, uh, but you see... I mean, a, a new tire shouldn't cost any more than uh, a new hat, should it? A hat? Well, I just said hat. I might have said shoes or trousers or anything. Uh, uh, some more coffee, dear? Uh, no, I have some. Thank you, darling. Yes, uh, that old bus, it, 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 it's pretty sad. It's been giving a lot of trouble lately. Has it? Yeah. I noticed it. Oh, of course you hadn't. That's the danger with an old car. You don't notice anything wrong, and then one day when you're doing about 70 miles an hour, it's Not just... with our car, dear. And that's another thing. It's too slow. That car is dangerously slow. Clem, what have you been up to? Well, <laughs> come on. Get your coat and hat on. I've got something to show you. <laughs> problem was simplified after that. Just at bedtime, I took it out of the box and tried it on. Glenn was sitting up in bed talking about the new car. I'm glad you liked the car, dear. I was afraid you'd think I'd been a bit too extravagant. Oh, all of us have to be extravagant now and then, don't you think? Of course. It's fun. Uh, don't forget to turn off the light, dear. Wait, Glenn. Look. Huh? What on earth have you got on? A hat, darling. You like it? Mm. New? Mm-hmm. I bought it today. Isn't it lovely? Oh, not bad. I do think it uh, it does something for me, don't you? Yeah, it uh, makes you look rather ridiculous, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, maybe it's it's the it's the nightgown. It doesn't quite go with it, huh? Uh, oh, yes. So it, it's really very pretty. Good. Then I think it was worth the money. Oh, much. Not too much for people with a car like us. <laughs> You're pretty clever, aren't you? I hope you think so, darling. Hey, sit down here a minute. Let me look at you. You're really quite a beautiful woman, aren't you? If you think so, darling. I think you're even more beautiful than when I married you. Could that be? I don't see why not. I, I've had no reason to be. Huh. Well, put that silly hat away and get into bed. Don't stand looking at it all night. Oh, oh Clem, it's been a lovely day all round, hasn't it? Yes. Clem, I think we're, we're very lucky people. Because we've got a new car and a new hat? Oh, much more than that. Because of Vin and Toby and Judy and each other. Mm, yeah. Good idea. <laughs> Good night, Clem. next morning. We saw him swing down from the carriage, young and lean and strong. There was something different about him. The moustache was gone, and he was smoking a pipe. There he is. There he is. Oh, 
Hello, Toby. Hello, Dad. How are you, old boy? Fine to have you back. Ben. Judy, hello. Oh, heavens, Ben, you've grown. Oh, only about oh. half an inch, Mother. Say, where's the mustache you used to have, son? Oh, that? Yes, you used to be so proud of it. I don't remember being so very proud. Oh, I liked it, Ben. Oh, I'm sorry, Mother, but... Well, I found it took up too much of my time. Oh, it did? Yes. Keeping it trimmed and all that sort of thing, you know. Well, after all, one can't waste too much time over the vanities of life. I see. Ben, I'm going through a thing. Toby. Mother, shut up. Uh, well, never mind neither. Well, she said I was going through a thing. Well, let's move along, shall we? Come on. Come on. At last, your doctor, I've rather changed my whole outlook on things. You don't say. The tea's getting cold, then. No more, thanks. Yes, I think I've grown a little matured in my conception as to what life's about. Ah. And apart from all that, I think I've developed a social consciousness. Mm, uh, what's that, then? Why, it's the recognition of my fellow man. Oh, yes, yes, sir. Where are the free men of today? Look about you. What have we? As pure a feudalistic state as there ever was... In the nights of the 15th century. I tell you, Father, when I think of the class system that exists in this country today, I'm... Excuse me, sir. What is it, Gladys? It's Miss Carol Belden to see you, Mother. Where's your ring, Gladys? Yes. Carol Belden. I wonder what that means. <laughs> She's probably brought the latest ultimatum from her illustrious grandmother. But I scarcely know Lady Belden. Mother, there you have the perfect example of what I've been saying. Lady Belden is the living proof of the survival of the feudal system today. She... How do you do, Mrs. Miniver? I'm Carol Belden. Oh, how do you do, Miss Belden? This is my husband. How do you do? And my son, Vincent. How, how do you do? How sit do you down, do? Miss Belden. You're just in time for tea. Thanks so much, but I've just had... Well, sit down anyway. You really must excuse me for invading your house like this. But, well, frankly, I've come to make a request. Well, please sit down. Thank you. You see... Well, my grandmother doesn't know I've come, and... Well, it's about the rose. The rose? Yes, the one Mr. Ballard grew, the Mrs. Miniver. You see, I, I hear he's going to enter it in the flower show. You mean for the, for the building challenge cup? Yes. But I... No one has ever entered it. No. No one has ever entered a rose in competition with grandmother before. And that's just the point. It's become a tradition for her to win the cup. And her roses mean so much to her. Why, I know it seems an awful thing to ask, but... Well, I thought you might, perhaps as a favor, persuade Mr. Ballard to withdraw his rose from the competition. You see... Miss Belden, may I ask whether this is an open competition? Well, yes, technically. Technically, yes, but actually, no. Yes, I suppose that's it. You see... I see only too well, Miss Belden. Because Mr. Ballard is not of the ruling class. A mere mere vassal, as it were. Then, please, let Miss Belden explain. Miss Belden doesn't have to explain. Not to me. These are orders from the manor. Her ladyship must be offered no competition. Miss Belden, you must excuse my son. He's just down from Oxford. Oh, don't apologize for me, Mother. I mean everything I say. Well, I'm glad to hear it. But do you do anything about it? Do? I don't know what you mean. If you feel something is wrong, what are you doing about it? I've spent most of my holidays these last few years doing settlement work in the slums of London. You wallow in luxury. Oh, I don't wallow. And think a few weeks playing the Lady Bountiful will come to him. It's not much, perhaps, but it is the only thing I know. What have you been doing? I, well, I, um... Oh, I, oh, I see. Just talk. Well, that's all right. It's much easier. Listen, I didn't say anything about... Ben, remember, Miss Bellin is a guest here. This is no concern of yours. I beg to differ, Father. I'm concerned for a fellow man, for the dignity that, and the indignity that's heaped upon him. You'll excuse me, I'm sure, Miss Belden. Certainly. Thank you. Good afternoon. I, uh, I must apologize for Vince. Oh, no, please. It's all right. And, and besides, he, he's rather nice, isn't he? What? <laughs> I, uh... Really, you know, he, he's perfectly right. I've absolutely not a leg to stand on in this business. It's, well, it's just that, well, my grandmother's over 80, and, and she takes such a pride in winning year after year. Oh, but, but please forget I said anything about it. Anyhow, I am glad we met at last. So am I, and I hope we'll see more of each other. I hope so, too. You'll be at the sitting club dance tonight, won't you? Yes. Of course. Good. I'll see you there, then. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye. Miss Belden. Good evening, Mrs. Minerva. Oh, good evening. Hi, Holiday. How's the launch? Minerva, running smoothly? I had her up the river yesterday. Seemed to be missing a little. Poor petrol, probably. Yeah. Nothing up the standard these days. No. Well, good evening, Mrs. Minerva. Good evening. 
Then there's Clara Belden coming over. Doesn't she look lovely? And the sense of humor, too. I love the way she handled him this afternoon. Hello. Hello, Miss Belden. Enjoying it? Oh, yes, it's a wonderful band. How about a cordial? <laughs> no, thank you. I was rather looking for your son. Oh, I'm sorry, Vin's not here. No, he's suffering from an acute case of maturity. He doesn't dance anymore. Yes, but it'll pass. We give it a week or two at the outside. I wanted to tell him I was sorry about this afternoon. Oh, I I rather think he wanted to say the same thing himself. It's a pity he's not... You, Miss Belden, a note. A note? Oh, oh, thank you. Will you excuse me, Mrs. Miniver? Of course. Certainly. Oh. <laughs> will you tell him I'll be right there, please? Yes, I will, Miss. Secret? Well, I... I suppose it is. Do I scent romance? <laughs> well, it is intriguing. Is it that big Navy lad from Dartmouth? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Good evening, Miss Belton. Good evening, Mr. Miniver. You've got my note? I'm here, Mr. Miniver. Oh, yes, of course. Miss Belton, I don't want you to think I'm going back on anything I said this afternoon. Well, of course not. But I did express myself a bit emphatically. I hope you'll excuse me. Oh, there's really nothing to excuse. Everyone's entitled to his his mode of expression. Still, I'd no right to lose my temper. Oh, well, I was pretty snippy myself, wasn't I? And quite in the wrong anyway. I am sorry. Nice of you to say so. Thank you. Well, I, I... I suppose I had better be getting back. I promise... Well, no, you can't. I... Well, I mean, just for a moment. See, I've got so much I wanted to say to explain about myself. Of course, if you want to dance. You don't dance? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I'm considered a pretty good dancer. But I've rather given that sort of thing up. Oh? Well, I mean, frankly, uh, is this a time for frivolity? Well... Is this a time to lose one's sense of humor? <laughs> no, I suppose not. Please, may I have a dance later on? Oh, I'd love to. Hey, isn't that Vincent dancing with Carol Belden? Yes, that's Vincent. Uh-huh. They look quite nice together, don't they? From his expression, I'd say he was having another phase. That was our life in the summer of 1939. And then in early September, it was a Sunday, and we'd all gone to church. I remember how the sun was planted through the windows that morning. I remember Toby, wide-eyed, craning his neck about the stair at the choir. I remember sharing a hymn book with Ben, who couldn't keep his mind on the singing, or looking across the aisle at Carol Delvin. I remember so many things, little things, peaceful things. And then suddenly the singing faltered and stopped, and the vicar stood before us in the pulpit and spoke to us quietly. Will everyone please be seated? <laughs> it has just been announced over the air by the Prime Minister that our country is at war. In the circumstances, I don't think you'll wish me to continue with this service, as you'll probably, most of you, have some other duty to perform. I will say simply this, that the prayer for peace still lives in our hearts, coupled now with the prayer for our beloved country. We in this village have not failed in the past. Our forefathers for a thousand years have fought for the freedom that we now enjoy and that we must now defend again. With God's help and their example, we cannot and shall not fail. In just a moment, Mr. DeMille returns with Greer Garson, Walter Pigeon, Susan Peters, and Ensign Henry Wilcoxon for Act Two of Mrs. Miniver. Sally, I wonder if you could guess what article of clothing I'm talking about when I give you these washing directions. Soap them and let them soak all night. In the morning, wash them through a strong lather of white soap and warm soft water, and then boil them ten minutes in another lather of the same. Then rinse through two cold waters. When they are dry, stretch or pin them on the ironing sheet, smooth them by hard rubbing with a clean piece of flannel, or you may rub them with a smooth stone. 
Goodness, I never read any directions like that. Well, it couldn't be anything colored because you must never soak colors. And it couldn't be silk because you must never boil silk. And it couldn't be rayon because you treat that like silk. <laughs> I give up. That, Sally, is how Mr. Leslie's ladies' house book back in 1850 told women to take care of their silk stockings. Oh, how awful. Times have certainly changed. Now we just whip our stockings through lukewarm Lux suds each night. And cut down runs over 50%. Lux stockings don't go into runs nearly so easily as those rubbed with cake soap or washed with a strong soap. So Lux your stockings every night. And be sure to let rayons dry at least 24 to 48 hours before you wear them. If your dealer is out of Lux Flakes, try again. He, he'll have more soon. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Mrs. Minifer, starring Greer Garson as Mrs. Minifer, Walter Pigeon as Clem, and Susan Peters as Carol, with Ensign Henry Wilcoxon as the vicar. There was a great deal to be done that first day. Blackout curtains to be hung, a visit from the ARP man, and 101 details of food and clothing and shelter in the event of a raid. And through it all, I kept thinking of Glenn. I knew he'd have to go. I couldn't bring myself to talk of it. And then toward evening, Vin mentioned it himself. You know, I've been thinking it over. It's the RAF for me. The RAF, Vin? Yes, I've always been keen on flying. Uh, do you mind if I get on with the blackout, Dan? All right, son. Oh, I thought I'd run up to the Belden place later on. Two women alone, you know. Might be a good idea to look things over. Yes, I think you should, dear. Right. Clem, isn't he very young, even for the Air Force? Yes, he's young. That night we went underground for the first time while the planes passed above. We had no way of telling whether they were our planes or theirs. Mr. Foley, the village grocer, was the ARP man for the district. And during the blackout, he paid us a visit. Not to be careful, Mrs. Miniver. One little crack of light like you were showing might lead the whole German Air Force straight to this house. Oh, dear. Well, it was lucky it was just you, Mr. Foley. Yes, indeed, ma'am. Strictly speaking, you're liable to a fine of 40 shillings, but as senior warden, I think I can promise you'll hear no more about it. Oh, that's awfully nice, Foley. Hmm. You've got a nice place here for storage, you... You ought to put in some tin food, case of emergency. Well, I... I Sugar now, sure to go up. Yeah, I've got some wonderful demerara, two, three a pound. How much we say? Fifty pounds be enough? Well, really, I don't now, think... Now, make we... it twenty, then. <laughs> Do you like uh, Bismarck herrings, Mr. Miniver? I hate them. Oh. Kibber snacks? Sardines? <laughs> I got some lovely Italian sardines. Might not be able to get them later. You never know what that Mussolini's going to do. Well, we'll see. Well, there you are. All clear. They were hours after all. Oh, come on, Toby. We can go upstairs now. Is the war all over, Mummy? Oh, no, darling. This is just the first day. Dear Mother, they are cutting short the course, and pilot officer Miniver is happy to tell you he will be home soon on leave. A whole week. Think of it. Mother, will you have Carol for dinner the first night? Thank you, darling. Toby, don't bang your spoon like that, dear, please. Well, he makes a good-looking pilot, don't you think, Carol? Already a pilot. Two months before my regular time. And what a bit of luck being transferred to an airfield so near. Will you stay at Bellum Field or at home? Oh, Bellum, I'm afraid. But say, a fellow I knew at the last airfield had his people living round about, and whenever he flew over, he used to cut his engine so they'd know who it was. Well, we listen for it, son. I'll listen every day. Will you, Carol? Tell me. Mommy! 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 M
Mommy. Yes, Toby? Mommy, he's been going to marry Carol. Toby, just finish your dumpling, darling. Well, I only said he's been going to marry Carol. Ah, uh, Toby. Isn't it nice having been at home, Toby, and staying down here for dinner with us? Yes. Are you going to marry Carol, then? Well, since you bring it up, Toby, I uh, haven't had the nerve to ask her. Why not? You're brave, aren't you? Don't be so silly, Toby. Gentlemen don't propose when they're eating. Why not? Well, it's not romantic. Of course it isn't. Toby. What? Why don't you ask me if I'm going to marry Vin? Are you? If he asks me. Huh? He's afraid. Oh, I say, I'm not going to stand for that. Carol, I meant to wait for Judy's romantic moment and all that. But will you marry me, Carol, soon? Oh, ye God, this is the darndest proposal I... Is it yes, Carol? It's yes, Carol. Oh, Carol. Hey, hey. Oh, my dear, I'm so happy. You're both terribly young, but... Fine going, Vim. Fine going. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Toby, the spoon. Yes, Mr. Miniver. Yes, Gladys, what is it? It's the telephone, sir. He says he wants to speak to pilot officer Vincent Miniver. Oh, I'll take it in the hall. Hello? Carl? But, well, you never know, do you? Long time, Tim. I was worried. Uh, I uh, stopped off at the club on the way back. They're talking about a German flyer who came down around here somewhere. We're organizing a search in the morning. Vin didn't uh, say when he might be back. No, he could, you know. Oh, yes, of course. Vin? I'll take it. Hello? Yes? Vin? What? Oh. Oh, emergency, I see. What is it, Clem? What is it? It's, it's all right, dear. Is it Vin? No, no, it's only the river patrol. All right, old man. I'll come right over. You're not going out on the river tonight. I've got to, darling. They've called every man with a boat, he said. But what on earth can they want? I can't imagine. We're all to meet at Ramsgate. Close to a thousand boats here, Nobby. Yes, sir. That's a destroyer over there, Mr. Miniver. Huh. Attention. Military force is trapped between the enemy and the sea. Their only chance to escape annihilation rests with you. Your destination is my duty to tell you that the effort is not without risk. Shore guns and enemy aircraft are going to make it hot for you. Any of you who wish to withdraw may do so now. Very good. You put to sea at once. come down to the river every morning now to catch a fish or two for dinner. Guns. Yes. Funny how the sound carries with this east wind. Mr. Miniver's not back from Dunkirk, I suppose. No, he's not back. Neither is my son. They've been gone five days now. Well, they'll be back, Mum. You'll see. Yes, I'll be very glad to see. You will. Them that goes down to the sea in ships... And as their business in the great waters, these men see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the great deep. You can't beat the Bible, can you, when it comes to deep feelings? No. No. And no one what's thrown that over a set of gobbles and burdens is going to win this war. That's a con I come to thumb. It's mine too, Mr. Barrett. I turned and started back to the house. I near the kitchen door. I saw it. He was lying half hidden in the shrubbery, his eyes staring into mine. I saw the sun glint on the barrel of a revolver. Get my Who will make noise? I shoot. 
you are alone. My... My children are upstairs. And the maid, all asleep. Food, drink, get it for me. Inside. All right. Food, quick. All right, I'm getting it. But stop pointing that gun at me. You're frightening me. Look, hurry. You got me. Yes, I... I think so. Hurry. I am hurrying. Here. Now, you stand there. I leave you to... Do not. Oh. Oh. Please. Hurry, please. It's urgent. Please. This is Mrs. Miniver. Miniver, yes. I got that German flyer, the one who escaped. In the kitchen. Yes, I'm all right. I have his gun. Will you come to the back door? It's the last house on North Lane. He's wounded. Bring a doctor. Thank you. Hurry, please. After a brief intermission, Mr. Vanell presents Drew Garson, Walter Pidgeon, Susan Peters, and Ensign Henry Wilcoxon in Act Three of Mrs. Miniver. Libby Collins has asked two members of the audience to come up here and answer two timely questions. All right, Mr. Sutherland, will you step up to the microphone? And here's your question. Will it take more or less luck to wash several under things together than it would to wash them separately? Uh, less is right. A thrifty way to make your luck go further these days. Thank you, Mrs. Sutherland. And here's a big box of Lux Flakes that will do those undies each night for nearly two months. Now, Mrs. Max, here's your question. What type of underthings, popular in Grandmother's Day, are back in favor this winter? Can't think of what it could be offhand. Unless... <laughs> Could it be flannel? <laughs> right. Long red flannels. They started out as ski under things, but are mighty popular now in homes where heating is a problem. And here's a box of Lux Flakes to keep your night things new looking longer. Materials are so important these days, and skilled workers so needed for war work, that fewer new clothes are being made. Of course, you'll be able to get what you need, but it's more important than ever to take care of what you do have, to make it last longer. Luxing will help you. Don't waste Lux. Use all you need to get rich suds, but no more than you need. A little Lux goes a long way. Now, our producer, Mr. DeMille. We'll have a little chat with Mr. and Mrs. Miniver after the play. But now the curtain rises on the third act of Mrs. Miniver. Starring Greer Garson, Walter Pigeon, and Susan Peters. With Ensign Henry Wilcoxon. knelt on the kitchen floor beside the German flyer, waiting for the police. After a while, he stirred and opened his eyes. I saw his hand reach out to me with his gun. Revolver. What's my revolver? I took your gun. I called the police. The police? You called? It's much better this way. Really, it is. You're hurt. You're sick. You'll be wonderfully looked after in the hospital. You'll be safe there. The war won't last forever. No. Soon we finish it. I am finished. But others come like me. Thousands. You will see. We will bomb your cities. Like Barcelona, Warsaw, Narvik, Rotterdam. Rotterdam we destroy in two hours. And thousands kill innocent people. Not innocent. They were against us. Women and children. 30,000 in two hours. And we will do the same thing here. We're heading Where is he? Where is he? Mrs. Miller. Here, doctor. Here. It's his arm, I think. Huh. Take him to the hospital. All right, young fella. Come along. Lift him up, Joe. Mrs. Miniver, are you all right? Yes, thank you, Doctor. I'm, I'm fine. Good. And a good job, too. Oh. Oh. Who was that? Who was here, Mommy? No one, dear. It, it was just... Just... Oh, oh. It's Daddy dying. ago. Ten hours. The Vin ate it. Vin. Home? Home. Both of you. Good. 
Where is he now? He went up to Belden Hall to break the news of the engagement. Oh, I don't envy him that trip. Serves him right, though, for eating my breakfast. Anything left? Gladys is bringing it up. Oh, Clem, I'm so proud of you. Are you, darling? Well, that's nice. Come to think of it, I'm a bit proud of myself. What you might call a real bit of navigation. Oh, you know, darling, I'm almost sorry for you. Huh? Having such a nice, quiet, peaceful time here when things are really happening. But that's what men are for, isn't it? To go out and do things while you woman folks look after the house. Yes, dear. Come in. I'm sorry, Mum, but I just remember we ain't got any hands. What? You gave it all to that German pilot. Oh, well, uh, well never mind, Gladys. We've got some bacon, and Mr. Miniver likes that just as well. Thank you. All right. Uh, Kay, what's all this about a German pilot? Oh, nothing, dear, nothing at all. What do you mean, nothing at all? Well, I just had a German pilot in for ham and eggs this morning, that's all. What? Say, what's going on here? Now, Clem, don't get excited. I'm just going to draw your bath. I've had a bath, and I'm not excited. You had a cigarette? I know I don't want a cigarette. Was it the fellow they were looking for? Yes. What? But, but what did you do? D- didn't he have a gun? Yes, he had a gun. Well? Well, just took it away from him and called the police. Oh. You just took it away, just like that, huh? And then I suppose you gave him tea. No. Milk. Woman, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> Come in. What is it, Gladys? It's the old lady, Mum. Lady Belden. Lady Belden here? Well, all right. Tell her I'll be down in just a moment. Yes. Lady Belden? She's probably come to object to the marriage. Oh, dear. You know, darling, if I hadn't known that you'd taken that German pilot single-handed, I'd say you were scared. Would you? Hmm. Well, I am. I think I should tell you frankly I hope to persuade Carol to wait You think she may change her mind, Lady Belden? Frankly, yes Besides, she's too young Oh, but isn't that rather a Belden tradition? To marry young? I don't know what you mean My daughter, Judy She had to write a composition on the Crusades last week And she brought a book home from the library Oh, quite a small book Called A Friend of King Richard the Lionhearted It was full of stories of the Belden family Ah, I trust you satisfied yourself That we were worthy of the alliance Well, there were one or two things That rather surprised me For instance, did you know that the 12th Lord Belden was hanged. He was beheaded. Oh. Such things happen in the best families. In fact, usually in the best families. As a matter of fact, what interested me most was the extreme youth of the Belden bride. This Gilbert de Beldon who went on the crusade married an Isabel de something or other aged twelve. Mrs. Miniver, I did not come here to chatter pedigrees. But your point is that they're both too young. I haven't said so, have I? Really? I've said so, haven't I? But Lady Belden, we're at war, and Vin's a flyer. How old were you when you married? I? I've known you telling fibs because I looked you up. Well, if you looked me up, I suppose you know. I was 16. 16. And did your parents approve? That's beside the point. Oh, forgive me, is it? You married very young, and without your parents' consent, and yet when Carol... Oh, but... Perhaps you regretted it. I did nothing of the kind. Well, then, why? My marriage only lasted a few weeks. My husband was in the army. He was killed in action. Oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, I didn't know. I never regretted it. Not for one moment. We married because we knew that might happen. But I don't want Carol to suffer as I suffered. Don't you want them to be happy? Even for a little while? The way you were? I was afraid you'd say that. Not that it matters what you say. Or what I say either. You know that, don't you? You mean Carol will go her own way? She's my granddaughter. Well, then, why? Goodness knows I was beaten before I started. Well, you don't mind terribly, do you? He is a nice boy. Yes, I see now where he gets it. You're pretty, too. No wonder that wretched ballad named his rose after you. Not that he's got a chance of getting the cup from me. Well, so long as we're going to be relatives, the least you can do is to offer me some tea. They were married a few days later. Vin had leave, and they went to Scotland for their honeymoon. I was glad they were away those two weeks. We spend most of our time in the shelter. Mommy! <laughs> 
all right, darling. Keep your head on. The lights are out. That'll be nice. Mommy, where's Napoleon? He's gone. No, he hasn't, dear. He's under the cot. He's fine. It's all over, darling. It's all over now. This is the room we fixed up for you. And then, uh, it's his old one, of course. It's lovely. We made a few changes. And the Jerry's made a few more. Must have been dreadful. Oh, not so bad. Uh, I'd uh, better go help Vin with the grip, huh? Hurry, dear. Carol's coming to the flower show with me. I hope you'll manage all right here. That's a beautiful room. Thank you. And and thanks for Vin. He is nice. Isn't he? I wonder if you know how much I love him. I only have to look at you. And him. The happy I've had a lifetime of happiness in these last two weeks. Oh, Carol, dear, it's only the beginning. Okay. I'm not afraid to face the truth. Are you? No. I love him, but but I know that... Carol. I know that I may lose him. He's young and... And he loves life. But he may die. He may be killed. Any day, any hour. You must have faced that in your mind. Yes. I faced it. Then you know that... that every moment is precious. We mustn't waste time in fear. I will be very happy. Every moment that I have him. Every moment. And if I must lose him, there'll be time enough for tears. There'll be a lifetime for tears. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I come to the final award. The Challenge Cup given for the best rose grown in the village during the past year. The first prize, the silver cup, goes to... goes to Mr. James Ballard, our popular station master. Can I get you something? No. No, but 
Don't go away. Stay here. Stay just for a moment. I'm here, darling. Don't, don't leave me alone. Please. to church the next Sunday where the sun had slanted in the windows before now it shone full upon us for one wall of the church had fallen and the roof was open to the sky across the aisle from us was Lady Belden all alone and then Jane went over and sat beside her corner of England have suffered the loss of friends very dear to us. Some close to this church, George West, choir boy, James Ballard, station master and bell ringer, and the proud winner only an hour before his death at the Belden Cup for his beautiful Miniver Rose. And our hearts go out in sympathy to the two families who share the cruel loss of a young girl who was married at this altar only two weeks ago. The homes of many of us have been destroyed, and the lives of young and old have been taken. And why? Surely you must have asked yourself this question. Are these our soldiers? Are these our fighters? Why should they be sacrificed? I shall tell you why. Because this is not only a war of soldiers in uniform. It is a war of the people, of all the people. And it must be fought not only on the battlefield, but in the cities and in the villages, in the factories and on the farms, in the home and in the heart of every man, woman, and child who loves freedom. Well, we have buried our dead, but we shall not forget them. Instead... They will inspire us with an unbreakable determination to free ourselves and those who come after us from the tyranny and terror that threatens to strike us down. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all there is in us. And may God defend the right. especially for the women who must make homes in all sorts of new places. Let's look in for a moment on a young wife keeping house in a trailer near her husband's army camp. It's after dinner. 
Here, honey, get away from that sink. I'm going to be the dishwasher in this family. The army won't mind if my hands get red, but I don't want you to spoil yours with dishwashing ever. Oh, silly. That's what you know about washing dishes. Nowadays, girls use luck so their hands don't get rough and red. You just grab that towel. Yes, today's war brides are smart girls. They're meeting new people, going new places all the time, and they're not going to risk ugly dishpan hands. They use gentle Lux Flakes for dishes because it's so kind to their hands. Actual tests prove that just changing from strong soaps to Lux does away with red, rough dishpan hands. And this same gentle Lux care is thrifty, too. Lux goes further than the same weight of other well-known dishwashing soaps. Does up to twice as many dishes as these other soaps. So get a big box of Lux Flakes at your grocer's tomorrow. Use it for dishes. See how long it lasts. How smooth it leaves your hand. Now, here's Mr. DeMille with our star. There'll be no blackout in the theater as long as we have dramas like Mrs. Miniver and stars like Greer Garson, Walter Pigeon, Susan Peters, and Henry Wilcoxon to play them. Thank you, C.B. It seems very natural coming back to the Lux Radio Theater with Greer. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again with Madame Curie when it comes out. Uh, you didn't have an ounce or two of uh, radium left over, did you, Greer? Well, let's see. That'll be worth about $700,000. No, we didn't. <laughs> but Greer does have a keepsake of the picture that I think she will always prize. She was presented with a ring. I hope a certain ensign in the United States Navy approved of that. I'm sure it'll be all right, Susan. The ring was given to me not by one, not by two, but by 50 gentlemen. In mm. fact, the whole crew of Rips, Electricians, and Propmen have worked on the picture. That's one of the nicest things that ever happened to me. Now, we've been hearing some very nice things about both you and Walter from listeners in the United States and Canada who saw you put uh, glamour in the war bond business. Well, Walter is certainly working overtime as a salesman. He just came back from Seattle where he told the young ladies of that city about the advantages of joining the Coast Guard as spars and with the effect you might expect. Mm, no trouble selling the spars, but Henry Wilcoxon should be an authority. Why don't you step in here and sign up a few recruits, Ensign? Well, seriously, Walter. Everyone should know why we need women in the service by now. Women between the ages of 20 and 36 are welcome to board by the Coast Guard at any time. The nearest Coast Guard recruiting station will give full information on requirements and opportunities, or women may write to Coast Guard headquarters in Washington. Every spa who joins releases a man for other duties. Now, like all the Coast Guard, I hear you made a very fine record at sea, Henry, on the Pacific Patrol, and in certain other places. How about next week? We're going to have a real thriller. The Paramount screenplay, Five Graves to Cairo. And our stars will be Francho Tone and Anne Baxter. It's a drama of a young British soldier who stumbles into a sacred German headquarters, meets a beautiful French girl, and learns the mysterious secret of the five graves from Marshal Rommel himself. So if you're in the mood for romance and suspense next Monday night, we'll have it here. And then some. It sounds very exciting, Mr. DeMille. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Flakes, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Rancho Tone and Ann Baxter in Five Graves to Cairo. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. special announcement for radio admirers of Mrs. Miniver. This famous character is to be heard starting next Friday, December 10th, in a series of half-hour programs to be broadcast at 11.30 Eastern Wartime every Friday thereafter. Make a mental note to follow the further adventures of Mrs. Miniver over this network. Heard in tonight's play were Richard Davis as Ben, Raymond Lawrence as Mr. Ballard, Gloria Gordon as Lady Belden, and Tommy Cook, Mary Lou Harrington, Dwayne Thompson, Alec Harford, Charlie Lund, Dennis Green, Fred Mackay, Vernon Steele, and Fred Warlock. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. And this is your announcer, John M. Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Franco Cone and Anne Baxter in Five Graves to Cairo.
I've been so tired and nervous lately. I wonder if I need vitamins. Well, madam, why take chances? Why not try a vitamin product? But first, read the label. Take a minute, see what's in it. Pims contain all the vitamins recommended by government experts in the balanced formula doctors endorse. Three essential minerals also. Get BIMS at your druggist today. Get that BIMS feeling. Remember, it's B.I. for vitamins, double M.S. for minerals. BIMS. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.